0: you have your Bibles with you, open them to James, James chapter 4, James chapter 4. James is the pastor of Jerusalem writing to Christians who are suffering an economic (coughs) downturn. And what he has to say to his readers, his listeners, is more than applicable to what you and I are going through Today. He's been talking about the faith, the kind of faith, and the kind of wisdom that will see you through the crisis. He talks about the faith in chapter 2 and the wisdom in chapter 3. And now in chapter 4, he talks with us about behaviors that we exhibit that make matters worse. James chapter 4, pouring gas on the fire verse 1 what causes fights and quarrels among you don't they come from your desires that battle within you you want something but don't get it you kill and covet but you cannot have what you want you quarrel and fight you do not have because you do not ask god When you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the Spirit, Spirit with a small s, not the Holy Spirit, but the spirit that's within each person, that the spirit that he caused to live in us envies intensely. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you wash your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double-minded grieve mourn wail change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom humble yourselves before the lord and he will lift you up brothers do not slander one another anyone who speaks against his brother judges or judges him speaks against the law and judges it When you judge the law, you're not keeping it but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who's able to save and destroy, but you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Well, I'm assuming that you've read all the reports. The reports are in. They say it's getting better, but it doesn't look like it's getting better. In Georgia, 463,883 of our residents are unemployed. That's 9.7% of the population. That is a record high employment percentage for the state of Georgia. That is a record high. It's never been that high before in Georgia. People are hurting. People are a little worried. There is tension in a lot of families. The federal government is telling us that things are getting better, and maybe there are some sectors where things are getting better, but on street level, the signs are not very convincing. It's not that the house is no longer burning, but that it is burning down at a slower pace. And so here we are still in this economic crisis. We don't know when we're going to hit bottom. I don't think we've hit bottom yet. And it's affecting most everybody. If it's not affecting, uh, if you're here and it's not affecting you, uh, boy, I know that your prayers have to be overflowing with thanksgiving. But for most of us, there is some impact. Even those of us who have our jobs, this crisis has touched us. And God's Word has something to say to us about how to survive this crisis. It it tells us what to do in the crisis, what kind of faith to have in the crisis, how to look at the crisis, that God does things in a crisis that he doesn't do at any other time. It tells us the kind of wisdom we are to have to survive the crisis. But here James is also telling us what not to do. I mean, can you imagine... uh, It won't be long I'm sure if if dry temperatures continue in the southwest that we're going to hear of forest fires out in California just west of the Rocky Mountains. You know it happens about every year and firefighters start working 24-7 to put out the flames. Imagine a whole group of firefighters who who go to where the forest fires are and they start pouring gas on the fire. Of course that Is not going to happen that wouldn't happen but James says there are certain behaviors that you and I exhibit that are the equivalent of a firefighter pouring gas on a forest fire to try to to try to extinguish it and these behaviors don't improve matters rather these behaviors make matters worse here's just a list of the behaviors that James says are the equivalent of pouring gas on the fire first. He says fighting and quarreling When when tension increases the probability of fights and quarrels even between it, within a household or on the job Those those tensions increase the probability of fights increases greed You know what's amazing to me is we still haven't learned the lesson of this crisis in America. I don't think greed is part of the reason we are in the crisis that we are in. Greed is a sinful problem. It's a spiritual problem. Do you know why you're paying more at the gas pump now? You say, well, it's summertime, people are traveling. That's part of it. You know the other part of it? It's not a supply and demand deal, not really. Uh, In fact, the the reserves even in the Middle East are are high. Everywhere you look in the oil-producing nations, their reserves are high. You'd think with a a, a large a large uh, supply with a reduced demand that the prices would go down. You know why the prices are going up? It's because investors in oil are pushing the price up. Why? G-R-E-E-D. And guess who's going to fuel their pockets? Y O N U. and we're going to do it every time we put gas in our automobiles. I'm for going Flintstone style how about you hello come on yeah greed James says prayerlessness or prayer abuse is a better way to put it prayerlessness he says you you uh, do not receive because you do not ask God and it's not so much uh, a matter of uh, for some people it's that we don't go to God and ask God for the things we need for some of us It's not a matter of not going to God. We go to God regularly. But we go to God regularly for what we want, not for what God wants. And so James says sometimes you don't get because you don't ask. Sometimes you don't get. Even though you ask, but you're not concerned with God's will. You're asking for wrong motives. Then he says there's arrogance. Throughout this passage, he attacks arrogance. Humble yourself before the the Lord and he will lift you up. God loves humility. The writer of Proverbs says, God hates a proud look. Men, you hear that? You and I like it, but God doesn't. Not a proud look. Not a look of arrogance. Neglecting your relationship with God is another behavior that pours gas on the fire. Being judgmental is the final one. He says, don't slander one another. When you slander each other, you're not only judging that person, but you're judging the law. And he says, it's not yours to do. So James lists a whole series of behaviors that we exhibit in a crisis that really fuel the bad fire of the crisis rather than extinguish that fire and what James says to us is that that these behaviors are not part of God's way of handling the crisis they're part of the world's way of handling the crisis and you and I have to choose which way we're going to respond we're, we have to choose how we are going to handle this economic crisis or whatever crisis you find yourself in because crises all are very similar in that they increase tension, they increase stress, they increase hurt and pain, and they result in us, the natural tendency in us is to exhibit these kind of behaviors. Where do these behaviors come from? Just just put your index finger right there and drill real deep because that's where it is. Where do these quarrels and fightings come from? Are they not from deep inside you, inside your desires, James says, Yes, they are. It is your natural tendency, and it is my natural, in, natural tendency to respond in a worldly way to the crisis. And James says, you've got to check that. Check that at the door, and instead, choose God's way. And James says four things about this world's way of handling a crisis. The first thing he says is this, that the world's way of handling a crisis is a downward spiral, It is a downward spiral. Here's the way it starts. You have a desire for something, a desire for something you do not have. Maybe you used to have it, now you don't have it, or maybe you've never had it, and you want to have it. It's a desire for something, and you desire it so much that it's not of concern to you whether God desires it for you. And so you decide, whatever it takes, you're going to get what you desire, You may talk with God about it, but if you uh, anticipate that God is not in favor of what you're asking, you may not talk with God about it, because after all, who wants to hear God tell you what you don't want him to say? But if you don't know for sure whether or not God is for it, you may go to him. God, here's what I'd like to have. If it's your will, and I'm sure it is, give it to me. And if it's not your will, I'll continue praying until it is your will. And then maybe you'll give it to me. So we have this desire. We decide we're going to do whatever it takes to get it, even if it means trying to manipulate God or ignore God. And then anybody who gets in our way, we're going to disparage them in order to get them out of the way so we can have our way. It is a downward spiral. But let me tell you, James says this is not the world's way of doing things. This is, I mean, this is not God's way of doing things. This is the world's way of, of handling a crisis. And it, will, it just causes further, further trouble. It's pouring gas on the fire. A second thing he says to us not only the world's way of handling a crisis being a downward process, a downward spiral, but second, the world's way of handling a crisis is at odds with God's way. Of handling the crisis what is God's way God's way is not arrogance God's way is not judgmentalism God's way is not greed God's way is not uh, prayerlessness God's way is not praying but praying with bad motives God's way instead is one that seeks his will God what is your will for this for this time in my life what are you trying to say to me in this crisis Where the preacher says, you shout in this crisis, what are you shouting to me? What are you trying to convey to me? It's a message I want to hear, Lord. Put me in the place where I will hear you. You see, the fact of the matter is, for many of us here today, this crisis has hit us so deeply that this is really the first serious time in perhaps decades that we have allowed God to speak to us in a way that we'll listen. God's way is humility. God's way is meekness. God's way is submission to his way above our way. Number three, the world's way of handling this crisis places us in a position which is not ours to have. James says, he says, not only submit yourselves to God, but he says, when you slander your brother and you judge him, you speak against the law and you judge it. And then he says this, he says, there is only one lawgiver and judge the one who is able to save and destroy who's he talking about of course he's talking about the lord so he says but you who are you to judge your neighbor tensions get high we start lashing out at other people and basically what we're doing we're pulling up a big old throne and we're sitting down in it and guess what the chair doesn't fit you and me Because it was only designed to fit one person. That is the Lord God Almighty. He is the only one who can judge. And you and I can't sit in that chair. It's going to be too hard. Or it's going to be too soft. Or it's going to be too big. It'll never be too small. (laughs) But it won't fit. Finally, James says, Therefore you need to submit to God's way of handling the crisis. One of the things... uh, that you and I have learned every time there's a crisis or a new situation in our lives that that situation or a new crisis comes with its own set of vocabulary for instance uh, 2 years ago i had never heard the phrase toxic assets toxic assets but now that's a phrase that that if you've been following the news at any length at all in the past year you're very familiar with the phrase toxic assets banks In order to try to provide everything for everybody gave loans to people who could not afford the loans or they they gave them uh, too much money or they gave loans to people who should never have had any loans to begin with and so now a large percentage of those loans nationwide are either in the process of going bankrupt or they are late and there are foreclosures right and left as a result of the foreclosures the prices of homes have plummeted So that now, there are some people who are making their payments, but their mortgage is worth more, many times more, than the value of the home. And all of these loans, the ones where people are late, the ones where people are going uh, into foreclosure, the ones where people are making payments, but the price of the home is beneath the, the value of the mortgage, all of these are called, here it is, toxic assets. And banks are trying to get rid of them. It's gotten us in a mess. James says that for you and I who are Christians, trying to weather this crisis, behaviors such as arrogance, greed, judgmentalism, prayerlessness, quarreling, neglecting your relationship with God are toxic assets which means they're not really assets at all. We immediately and naturally lean toward them, but James says it's like a brush fire that needs to be extinguished, but it's throwing gas on that fire instead of putting the fire out. You and I are going through a crisis. How we respond in that crisis will largely determine how we'll come out when it's over. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, it's our natural tendency to behave in ways that go opposite of you. It is, it's deep within us, this natural response of arrogance and greed and pride, and slander. God reached deep within us and scour our hearts with the cleansing power of your Holy Spirit and help us to adopt your way of handling the crises in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.